So let's take an example. You have a situation in which a customer of yours um, has just kind of put everything on their house account mm -hmm. and you have no job accounts, right? So problem number one, if there's no house account, I'm sorry, if there's no job account for you to have noticed, you no longer have lien rights. So then, then we have to talk about, well, what other rights do you have that will protect you? Um, so there are a few. Okay. So number one is when this happens, you should look and see, do I have a signed credit app on the relatively newest form for the company? I'm going to guess that for some of your old customers, right. you may not have anything. So, so that's number one is when you start to make that, uh, analysis, then you, you should figure it out. Um, and by the way, it probably is a good idea that somebody in the ne relatively near term, go through all of your accounts and say, who's got what credit app, mm -hmm. uh, signed, because if things don't go well and we have to file a lawsuit, what are the terms and conditions of that? agreement um we had a uh, a few years ago we had a supply house that we represented and they had us revise all of their terms and conditions on their credit app and they made the decision um almost uniformly but still on a case-by-case -case basis to have all of their clients sign new credit apps great so don't think that that's impossible to do it's it is you can have people do that um and there are lots of ways to streamline that process to make it less onerous for the customer, um, more routine. So for example, if you were to set it up all through DocuSign or write signature, right? Mm -hmm. And you send it out as an email, we're just updating our, our credit terms, please sign. And it's, they, don't have to, they don't have to print anything. Most of them probably wouldn't even read it. Um, so if you can make the process more routine, right, then you're more likely to get them to do it. So, so that's step number one. What credit app exists um, with respect to these issues uh, to these customers, and do I need them updated, and can I get them updated? Um, number two, for customers that have um, that you're nervous about. Uh, do you have a personal guarantee? Um, is it time to get a personal guarantee? Um, do you use the opportunity? Let me say it differently. Do you use the request by a customer to continue to get uh, to extend credit to them as an opportunity to ask them for a personal guarantee? So you say, look, you know, your normal credit limit was $25,000, you've been going over it. We're happy to keep extending it to you so long as you sign a personal guarantee. Here it is again via DocuSign, right signature. Um, once you sign it personally, we'll continue to extend credit beyond the current limit, right? Um, so that's another thing you can do. Again, if you don't have job accounts, you're not going to have lien rights. So then we have to talk about what are the other rights that you can create for yourself in order to protect the extension of credit. Um, don't 
also, also don't forget about the idea that you can get a personal guarantee on a job by job basis, right? So maybe a customer comes to you and says, hey, I don't want to sign a personal guarantee, but for this job, I need you to extend my credit from 50,000 to 250,000. And you say, well, we're not going to do that. We, however, would consider doing it if you give us a personal guarantee for everything you order on this job account. So you can have kind of a single purpose okay. guarantee. Um, and there are other types of guarantees you can create. Um, they get a little more complicated. Uh, but you know they should be at least in the realm of possibilities as a means to try to continue to get business and accommodate a customer while not exposing yourself to unnecessary liability. So for example, you can request an irrevocable letter of credit, um, which is a security instrument issued by a bank and, and the bank says, um, okay, we're going to issue an irrevocable letter of credit. So the customer takes a certain amount of money that's agreed to, and that money goes into a bank account, and that and you are effectively the beneficiary of that bank account. And upon the issuance of certain things, then uh, that money gets released to you. Gotcha. So you can use it as a means to get paid. We see this a lot with foreign shipments. So if you ship materials overseas, they don't want to pay you until they get it. You don't want to ship it until you get paid. So you use this irrevocable letter as, as kind of a, as an intermediary step um, to make sure you get paid. In addition to the irrevocable letter of credit as an intermediary between payment, in my example, as a, as a payment for shipping things overseas, you can use it also as a guarantee mechanism. Um, so you know that the cash is just sitting there. Um, uh, you can get a corporate guarantee. Maybe this is a subsidiary or a joint venture and you say, okay, well, we'll continue to extend credit if this other corporate entity guarantees the debt. Um, so there's lots of ways to solve the problem, but you have to at least understand how much risk you're willing to take right. in the deal. Putting, putting a hard stop in mm -hmm. your system on the extension of credit is another good thing to do. Yes. Yes. So if you internally decide we're only going to extend $20,000 worth of credit, then you need to make sure that system-wide, anyone that, that is going to process requests, you know, at the counter, in another branch, they it's all connected so that when they come up and they try to buy something beyond the credit limit, they get a, mm, can't do it.